0: I can make the bad guys good for a weekend Now built in here. I want you to notice built into this mentality is even from the start is an expectation that this is temporary Do you see that? I'm dying to see how this one ends So let's go on that gets fleshed out a little more here so it's going to be forever or it's going to go down in flames You can tell me when it's over if the high was worth the pain. Got a long list of ex-lovers. They'll tell you I'm insane because you know I love the players and you love the game. Is it really a game? Because if it is, it sure is a hurtful game, isn't it? I beg your indulgence as I continue. There really is a point to this. Stay with it. Because we're young and we're reckless, we'll take this way too far. It'll leave you breathless or with a nasty scar. Got a long list of ex-lovers, they'll tell you I'm insane, but I've got a blank space baby and I'll write your name. Remember, the theme today is love poetry, so try to stay on theme. Cherry lips, crystal skies, I could show you incredible things. Stolen kisses, pretty lies, you're the king, baby, I'm your queen. Find out what you want, be that girl for a month. Wait, the worst is yet to come. Oh, no. It seems like there was a song once, I get drunk on jealousy, but you'll come back each time you leave, because, darling, I'm a nightmare dressed like a daydream. That's pretty much the heart of it. But there is one other short piece. Boys only want love if it's torture. Don't say I didn't say I didn't warn you. Now, here's the thing. It would be really easy right now for us to get very high and mighty and turn to one another and say, Ain't it awful? But this is not an Ain't It Awful sermon. I'm not particularly feeling high and mighty because you see, the words of this song, they don't make me mad, they make me sad. Because this is really how it is for a lot of people. If you didn't recognize it, these are the words of a song by Taylor Swift off of an album she put out at the end of last year called 1989. A rather remarkable uh, album release sold 1.3 million copies in the first week. By now, it has sold 4 million. And in fact, uh, just a little anecdote here Taylor Swift is the first artist since the Beatles to have four straight albums go to number one for at least six weeks. So I'm not throwing at you words from someone who is not known, someone who is not prominent in the culture. Taylor Swift is notorious for writing about failed love from a girl's or a young woman's perspective. And this is no doubt why so many love her music. They resonate with this story. In fact, it's kind of become famous that you want to be careful dating Taylor Swift because after you break up, she'll write a song that blames you. And she does do that. She blames in her songs. But is often more philosophical on her own, stating on the occasion when she got her second cat and, and becoming fearful of the notion of her being a crazy cat lady in training. She knew those rumors were start. She said this, What imaginary guy's perspective am I thinking about this from? Someone is going to think I'm undateable for a lot of reasons before they think I'm undateable because I have two cats. It's a very clever saying, really, but it's also a saying loaded with pathos. You see, it's the comment of someone who truly does want to be loved, but also the comment of someone who's not sure she can be. Not because there isn't some imaginary guy nice enough, but because she isn't even sure if she is nice enough anymore or willing to do what it takes to be loved and be in a relationship like that. Yet these visions of bliss don't fade easily, even for celebrities, which led on another occasion for her to make this honest comment. My ultimate goal is to end up being happy most of the time. It's kind of funny, but it's also kind of sad because what do you think the chances are she'll end up ultimately happy? And it's sad because it wouldn't have to be other than that. But it is as if we have forgotten what is required for us to have that happy relationship that takes us through our life and how to be sure that relationship will last. Which brings me to the second example of contemporary love poetry that I want to share today. This is also a woman. This one's a little more rough. Yet, still, ironically, in the midst of this, you will hear the longing for that real love relationship. It goes this way I'm going to love you until you hate me. I'm going to show you what's really crazy. You should have known better than to mess with me, honey. I'm going to love you like a black widow, baby. So here's the words. when We get to the main part. This twisted cat and mouse game always starts the same. Is it really a game? Because everybody seems to think so. First we're both down to play, then somehow you go astray. We went from nothing to something, liking to loving. It was us against the world, and now it's not. Or something like that, which I'm not going to say here. It's like I loved you so much, and now I just hate you. Feeling stupid for all the time that I gave you. I wanted all or nothing for us, ain't no place in between. Might, might be me, believing what you say that you never mean. Like, it'll last forever, but now forever ain't as long. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be stuck singing this song. You were different from my last, but now you got it mirrored. And as it all plays out, I see it couldn't be clearer. It's the same story, isn't it? And what's sad here is it's obviously, in the context, a repeated story. Again, don't miss the point. This is not an ain't-it-awful-what-the-kids-listen-to sermon. Instead, it's, isn't it sad how sad young people are? And isn't it sad how they don't know what to do about it? This song doesn't get any better as it devolves into a hateful commitment to revenge. Even throwing in a line including, praise Jesus, hallelujah, for ultimate irony. You know, we bear some blame that a line like that gets used in popular culture for irony. We who follow Jesus... We bear blame for not truly representing the power in the name of Jesus to make all things new. And so people in the culture turn his name into fodder for twisted irony, the claimed reality that makes no difference at all. It makes me sad. But I also find it all so puzzling. Why does a culture that has rejected the notion of lifelong commitment to one person as being outdated, old-fashioned, absurd, and restrictive, why does that culture then turn around and write poetry of pain about the fact that they can't have lifelong relationships with one person? And it isn't just the women who do this. Saturday morning, jumped out of bed and put on my best suit. Got in my car and raced like a jet all the way to you. Knocked on your door with my heart in my hand to ask you a question because I know you're an old-fashioned man. Yeah Can I have your daughter for the rest of my life say yes say yes because I need to know You say I'll never get your blessing till the day I day I die tough luck my friend, but the answer is no Why you got to be so rude? Don't you know I'm human too? Why you gotta be so rude, I'm gonna marry her anyway. Marry that girl, marry her anyway, marry that girl, yeah, no matter what you say, marry that girl and we'll be a family. Why you gotta be so rude? Really? Is that really what you're gonna do? You're gonna, you're gonna marry that girl and you're gonna be a family? Do you even know what that means? Now, I don't know. We don't get a whole lot of context on this story. Maybe this dad is just being mean. Or maybe he knows this guy is a 'er ne'er-do-well. And he's not going anywhere. And i got to say, having a daughter at my house, I'm kind of inclined to take his side on this. I mean, if your best argument for marrying is you're human, come on, man. I need to see a little more. I'm not saying, ain't it awful. I'm saying, doesn't it make you sad? So many hurting people who long for love and family, but they have no idea how to make it happen. Much less if they knew that idea, actually be committed enough to do it. Do you know what it takes to make it happen? In the midst of my brief survey of the current condition of things in preparation for this message, I stumbled on what I think is the perfect illustration of the hopeless confusion that far too many people live with. I was on the internet and looking for, why do people still get married anyway? I just asked that question. And there were a lot of articles that basically said, yeah, why is that? One of them I found was from June 27, 2011, so that's, uh, uh, what's that, Three and a half years ago? Something like that. Forbes magazine, written by Kay Hymanwitz, the theme was, what is the point in getting married at all? That was the theme of the article. In the middle was this paragraph. We read all the time about the over 40% of children who are born to single mothers, most of whom do not go on to marry their child's father. Record high numbers of people live together with no intention of walking down the aisle. High-profile celebrities, whom many people think of as role models, are known to shrug at the whole husband-wife thing. Cameron Diaz was asked recently, this is 2011, in an interview whether she thought marriage was on its way out. I do, she said. I think we have to make our own rules. I don't think we should live our lives in relationships based off of old traditions that don't suit our world any longer. Okay, that's a lovely liberated view, isn't it? Except for one problem. The name Cameron Diaz probably shouldn't have sparked anything at all in my mind, but it did because the name Cameron Diaz had recently been in the news, it seemed to me, and so I did another search, and sure enough, I found on the website Glamour News, an article by Leanne Bailey dated January 6, 2015, just two and a half weeks ago. Headline, Cameron Diaz marries Benji Madden. Three years ago, marriage is on the way out. Now she marries Benji Madden. Here's the write-up. The pair, who have been dating since May, are thought to have got engaged just before Christmas. The 35-year-old rocker and the 42-year-old actress tied the knot at their Beverly Hills mansion just after sunset. Aw. It really says, aww in the article. (laughs) It really does. (laughs) We couldn't be happier to begin our new journey together, surrounded by our closest family and friends, the couple said in a joint statement. Really? I thought you said marriage was dead and you would be making your own rules and now you tell us that you're beginning your new journey together? What is driving this craziness in our society? I thought you said it didn't matter and now you're casting off? The article went on. No wedding dress picture as yet. But we're hearing that Reese Witherspoon, Drew Barrymore, Nicole Richie, and Gwyneth Paltrow were just some of the famous who attended the wedding. Huge congratulations from all of us here at Team Glamour. Huge congratulations? Why? I mean, what are we expecting is going to happen here? Don't we know this story? And if that weren't enough, there's baby rumors now. Now again, I'm not saying ain't it awful. I'm saying doesn't this confusion make you sad? I wish all these stories, all this confusion, all this sadness, I wish I could say that it was all out there. But I think we know it isn't. It's in here too, isn't it? But is there an answer? Do we know anything about this? Is there any wisdom that could save us? Or are we just doomed to have failed dreams and broken hearts again and again and again? I did find some wisdom. Wisdom that if we and Cameron Diaz and Benji Madden and Gwyneth Paltrow, for that matter, I don't know if you know, but she's the one of the recent conscious uncoupling from her relationship. I found some wisdom for Iggy Azalea and Taylor Swift. I found some wisdom that, if followed, could bring their hearts what they most desire. But even if they hear it, even if we hear it, Will we follow it? The wisdom begins for the men, Proverbs 18, verse 22. This is for you. He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. Do you hear that, gentlemen? Or might I better say players? (laughs) Players. isn't going to get you there. And I found this from a book called Adventist Home. See if you think this is true. The world is full of misery and sin today in consequence of ill-assorted marriages. In many cases, it takes only a few months for, husbands and, for husband and wife to realize that their dispositions can never blend. And the result is that discord prevails in the home where only the love and harmony of heaven should exist. So how do we keep this from happening? Well, consider this from the Review and Herald, a magazine long published by the Adventist Church. This is information that was published 128 years ago, so it's been out there. Take God and your God-fearing parents into your counsel, young friends. Pray over the matter. Weigh every sentiment and watch every development of character in the one with whom you think to link your life destiny. The step you're about to take is one of the most important in your life and should not be taken hastily. While you may love, do not love blindly. Examine carefully to see if your married life would be happy or inharmonious and wretched. Let the questions be raised. Will this union help me heavenward? Will it increase my love for God? And will it enlarge my sphere of usefulness in this life? If these reflections present no drawback, then in the fear of God, move forward. You see, it's not saying, don't get married. It's saying, don't be stupid. Because if you are, you won't be happy. Are there any? Don't raise your hand. Are there any here today who wish they'd heeded this kind of advice? You want to hear really crazy? It goes on. True love is a plant that needs culture. Let the woman who desires a peaceful, happy union who would escape future misery and sorrow inquire before she yields her affection, has my lover a mother... What is the stamp of her character? Did you ever think about that? Does he recognize his obligation to her? Is he mindful of her wishes and happiness? If he does not respect and honor his mother, will he manifest respect and love, kindness and attention toward his wife? When the novelty of marriage is over, will he love me still? Will he be patient with my mistakes? Or will he be critical overbearing and dictatorial. True affection will overlook many mistakes. Love will not discern them. The youth trust altogether too much to impulse. They should not give themselves away too easily nor be captivated too readily by the winning exterior of the lover. Do you think any of this advice might have been helpful to some of our troubled celebrity friends? I think we could have cured both of those songs with a, with a little bit of this, don't you think? Do you think a little bit of this advice might have helped you? And if it's not too late for you, are you smart enough to heed this advice? Regardless of what Taylor or Iggy say, it isn't a game. It's real life. Again, Adventist home. If those who are contemplating marriage would not have miserable, unhappy reflections of marriage, they must make it a subject of serious, earnest reflection now. This step taken unwisely is one of the most effective means of ruining the usefulness of young men and women. Life becomes a burden, a curse. No one can so effectually ruin a woman's happiness and usefulness and make life a heart-sickening burden as her own husband. Did you hear this, gentlemen? And no one can do one hundredth part as much to chill the hopes and aspirations of a man to paralyze his energies and ruin his influence and prospects as his own wife. Did you hear this? Ladies It is from the marriage hour that many men and women date their success or failure in this life and their hopes of the future life Genesis 2 verse 18 The Lord said it is not good for man to be alone A man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh." That romantic longing in the heart of everyone, God put it there. A man and a woman together, in love, truly facing the world, as an unbreakable team. But it doesn't work just any old way. It only works one way. You see, it's in that text, and if you use the words from the King James Version, it goes this way, and so a man will leave his father and his mother and will cleave unto his wife." You gotta leave if this is gonna work, and you gotta cleave if this is gonna work. That's an old word, but used here it means joined together in a way that cannot be torn apart. To make it work, nothing save your relationship with God can matter more than your relationship with each other. Yes, your family of origin will always be important, but the text specifically says you leave and make a new one. Yes, your friends still matter. Your mutual friends still matter. But the minute they matter more than your spouse, you have not cleaved properly. Yes, your job matters. But maybe you don't need all that glory and all those promotions as much as you need a happy, healthy home. Your job doesn't matter more than your relationship with your spouse. Hobbies are fun. They're not more important. Even kids, they're wonderful. But the best thing you can give your kids is a solid relationship between you two. You can do this, but it will require that you engage your spouse with godly love, a love like we spoke of last Sabbath, the only kind of love capable of breaking down every barrier and wall. Jesus said, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. You're getting it right when you love your spouse as much as Jesus loves you. That's the answer. Will we do it? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we're sad today because you have in so many ways revealed to us that it was you who put the desire for romantic love in our hearts and it was you who showed us the way to experience that love in a way that builds us up, and not in one that tears us down and hurts us. And we have understood this, but, but lived it imperfectly. And we have stood by while the world around us has torn itself apart again and again and again. Lord, forgive us for that. But it seems we need to learn a lesson, not to run out there and say, you can't do that, but instead to go out there and say, do you wanna know about another way? Because I think somebody might be interested in hearing that. Lord, I pray for all the young people here today that they will be wise. That when they make decisions to join their lives, that they will do it with consultation with engaged, godly parents, and at the same time with their own prayer and their own careful consideration. Lord, I pray that you would raise up so many quality young people that it wouldn't be dangerous. And Lord, I pray for all of us that are married now. Maybe we've made a mess of things. Maybe we're doing real well. Help us never forget that the standard of love between us must be how much you love us. Help us to put our marriage before everything else except our own relationship with God. And help us to be strong families. In Jesus' name, amen.